Welcome, Digital Dreamers. Welcome to today's show. Before I introduce my guest today, I will read a quotation by Abraham Maslow. It states, one can choose to go back towards safety or forward towards growth. Growth must be chosen again and again. Fear must be overcome again and again. So Abraham Maslow for the uninitiated had Abraham's Maslow's five hierarchy of needs. And I have learned about it in my marketing days. And today I am introducing my guest and my very dear friend, Magdalena, who is a digital marketing manager and have 10 plus years experience. She has experience in international marketing. She is very tech savvy and early adopter of, of various new platforms such as AV Business Manager, Hootsite, Sprout Social, Similar Wave, Buzz Sumo, Brand24, and many others. She is also ICC coach, lecturer, workshop leader. She is competent in planning and managing multi-million deals, international media budgets, creating cohesive digital and social media strategies, and the list goes on and on. But where we bonded over the our common passion of personal growth development, and hence the relation of marketing and personal development was the reason I read the quote from my very favorite Abraham Maslow, one of the greatest mind ever lived. Welcome, Magda. Welcome to today's show. How are you? Thank you, Nilormi. Hello, hello. I'm, I'm so happy to, I was so happy to hear from you um, and to get the invite. And I'm super excited for this talk, for this interview. Uh, and yeah, I, I love that quote. I think it's so true. Everything is about, you know, growing over and over and failing over and over and learning from that and then improving. And I'm just in terms of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm, I'm a fan of like of the top one, development. So, <laughs> so yeah, so thank you for that introduction. Yeah, I mean, it's very personal to me. Like we have bonded over that, that first thing. And then I got to know you are into marketing and I am a lifelong student of marketing. I have studied marketing and I have not done it as much as I wanted to because I kind of got diverted into the uh, technology and business side of it. But if anyone who is passionate about marketing as you are, I'm like, please talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. it makes you a perfect fit. You work with digital platforms, you work with marketing, you are into personal development, passionate about it, and you are my friend. That's separate. But I'm like, you have to come to my show. We can go on and on for various topics because we do it off offline all the time. So for me today, the agenda is to not to get distracted because it will be so easy to do that. And my listeners will be, aren't they supposed to talk about business technology and marketing? <laughs> yes, that too, but then it's social media and engagement and you do a lot of it. Tell, tell, tell us something about it. Like what are the things you will advise someone who is going into marketing profession or probably a young up and coming social media manager who wants to be in those jobs because social media is a very, very significant player whether people like it, hate it, it's there to stay. Let's just face it, it's there to stay. And this pandemic had made it very, very obvious how influential it can be. I mean, 
the only way I am in touch with my family is social media. That's a fact. So you can say pro and con, but it's there to stay and it's useful and it works. So over to you. It's, it's true. It's so true. Um, well, you know, as a, as a digital marketing manager, I kind of manage various parts of like all of digital marketing. So that's, you know, things from SEO and content creation and positioning a website, you know, as high as possible in Google search results. Um, it's things like SEM, so that's search engine marketing. So, you know, all the ads that you see with Google, the shopping ads where you have the picture and the marketplace from which you can purchase that product or the search, um, the search ads. So like, you know, all these different things, it's affiliate marketing, which I also do. So like, you know, I know all the, you know, all the dangers of, of um, basically doing affiliate marketing and what you need to watch out for, not to kind of cannibalize your traffic. Um, because if you get traffic from one source and then you get traffic from another source, guess what? One of them is going to say like, oh, hey, I'm the one who got you this traffic when in fact it's a little bit more complicated than, than that. There's like a whole path of how consumers get to your website. It's also social media marketing that I do, that I manage. Um, so, and also um, influencer marketing. So it's like all these different areas and I'm happy to talk about any of them. Um, but in terms of what you asked of like, you know, what advice um, I would give to somebody who's starting out in the field, I think, I mean, it's not really going to be anything new, but you definitely should start off by having your own website and by having your own social media profiles. And these days, social media profiles, is not just, you know, a, a, an account on Facebook or an account on Instagram, because these are platforms that you can't really um, monetize organically anymore. So for Facebook and Instagram, in order for you to become known there, for, for you to have reach, for people to actually see your content, which you're producing on this platform, you actually have to pay. So you have to give Facebook and Instagram money. It still makes sense to do it because the, you know, the, the value that you're getting in terms of, of showing your ads and of showing your content to your customers, to your target customers, who you can target, you can reach exactly the kind of person that you want. So Facebook has like amazing targeting possibilities. You can, you know, search for somebody who's a fan of your competitors, um, fan pages and websites. You can search for somebody who behaves in a specific way, who's of a certain age or has children of a certain age. So really like the possibilities are an almost endless in terms of who you can reach with Facebook. Um, so it's still worth it. But if you're somebody who's just starting out, I think it's also important to explore the new platforms, which are only just starting out because the algorithms usually make it much easier for you to reach people for free with your content when you're starting out. So, you know, right now the up and coming, well, I mean, the platform, which is already here, I would say is TikTok. Um, of course, it depends what kind of business you have. It might not fit your specific business. Although there's a when there's a will, there's a way. I've seen you know crazy industries like shipping do amazingly well on platforms like Instagram. So really, any kind of business can have a TikTok account. Um, but and and of course, you know the algorithm has there's like a life cycle, right? To the algorithm. So in the beginning. Every, every content that's put on the platform is basically pushed so that people see it. So, you know, if you're an early adopter of a platform, you get the advantage of your content being pushed out to as many people as possible. 
And then once the platform kind of gets enough volume in terms of the, the people who actually have it and download it, then the algorithm starts to get a little bit more picky with the content that it shows to, to, you know, to the people who are on it. So TikTok is already coming to this place where you can get seen, but your content needs to be special. Like your content needs to follow the rules. It needs to be good. It needs to be what people actually desire to see. Otherwise, you're not going to get shown and you're not going to get seen. Um, another super interesting one right now is Clubhouse. I actually just got an invite to it like three days ago. So this is the one that I'm exploring right now. And from what I can see, there's like so many possibilities. If you can create any kind of audio content. So if you have anything to share with your customers that you can actually talk about and, and show in this way, this is an amazing way to reach people. I, I mean, I just heard a person close like a, you know, million dollar deal on a, on a, you know, on a call in a room um, on this app. So um, there's definitely, you know, many interesting apps and many interesting things that you can look into as somebody who's starting out and you can promote yourself in a way which is, which is best. But I would always say that the, the thing that you have to start from is having your own website where you have, you know, full control over the content that you have because social media platforms are not yours. It's not owned media. It's, it's media which, which belongs to somebody else and you can just use it to, to put your content on there and to promote it. But in the end, you should always try to build your own platform, your own you know, email marketing database so that you can reach your customers and you can migrate them between different platforms and you can sell them or, or talk to them um, when you want, how you want and with what you want. So just a, you know for like a, as a beginning kind of thing to to start with that's that's what i would look into i mean that's really helpful and when you're talking about it i was making mental note of okay these are the things i'm not doing okay these are the thing i am doing okay <laughs> because like my podcast is quite new and i have not promoted it as such because i i'm just thinking about this as sort of a passion project and i kind of promoting it it's my way to reach out to interesting people but it's all in the beginning of the mind, the business person or the marketing student is also thinking, probably I should start doing something to promote it. Like you're correct when you say like Instagram, like I kind of you started using occasionally now to direct the traffic to my podcast. Like in, Instagram is a platform which can direct the traffic. Like if your stories, one of my like Insta reels, which is kind of they're competing with TikTok with the reels. So I put one out and it got 1k views within an hour and that day I got a huge surge in my podcast viewers or listeners because I it got directed quite a few people went there I was like oh this works so like experiment with the thing and clubhouse is something I'm going to uh, explore with you <laughs> you're going to get hundreds of listeners if you like if you go on clubhouse and you start engaging with the app so like one of the important things to remember about social media is that it's social right so it bases on community so if you try to go out there and just like push yourself and promote yourself and not deliver value to people then they're not going to respond well to you but if you go on an app like club clubhouse and you start by just listening to what's there and you start by going into the different rooms where different conversations are happening on specific topics that you're maybe interested in 
And then you raise your hand and you ask questions, but in a way that it's going to actually provide value to the people who are setting up those rooms. First of all, it's going to make you look amazing in the eyes of all the people who are in those rooms listening to that conversation. Second of all, it's going to get the interest of those people who are the moderators of those rooms. And they're going to come, they're going to check out your profile. They're going to see the link to your Instagram because you can only right now link to Instagram or to Twitter. Um, and then when they're going to come to your Instagram, you can migrate them from Instagram to your podcast. Uh, so you can, you know, also you can, you can get new um, speakers to come and join you. If you talk to somebody there and you find their content amazing, you can DM them and you can say like, hey, you know, I loved talking to you on this, on this, in this room, on this topic. Would you like, would you mind, you know, joining me on my podcast and just contributing with, with that content? Cause I think it would be so interesting and so amazing for my audience. So this is just like a way to grow exponentially. I think if you want to, to make it in the podcast field. So this is definitely my huge recommendation to you. But and also, I, in terms, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, like, you know, you were talking about, about Instagram, how, how you posted, um, you posted some content and it kind of like went a little bit viral. So Instagram pushed this content. So it's, it basically, it saw that people like it. So it pushed it to more people and you got more views. Um, you can get to, to even more than that, you know, once you start growing your platforms, like for Instagram, the, the bump, which kind of like really pushes you over, over this, this kind of, um, edge, which, which is kind of difficult to get up that hill, it's the 10,000 followers. Because yeah. once you have 10,000 followers, you can start putting links in your Instagram stories, which is like one of the best ways to kind of reach people with content dynamically and like, you know, all the time. Um, so once you have that, then you can start posting links to your content, to your podcast content in there, in your stories, which is so much, you know, which is just so strong. Now, of course, you can work around it by just putting the link in your bio. But this is just, you know, this is something that shows that it's worth it also to invest in more than just one platform, right? So like it's worth it to be on as many platforms as you can manage as one person who has to do so many things at the same time. No, that's that, that that's actually very good uh, practical, you know, viewpoints in terms of what are the uses you can one can have in terms of searching the platform. I mean, I am doing a lot of business related things, but social media is not something it's my expertise areas and there are so many ways and when you were talking about the engagement part of it. I, I was thinking about that quote. I think it's by Mar Marie Smith from Social Media Master. It said, content is the king. Yes. Engagement is the queen and the lady is here to rule the house. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But I love that. that. I haven't heard it, but it's amazing. And it just, it's so consistent with, with what I've seen. I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, so I like you're talking about Clubhouse and it's about the house and the yeah, content is king, it's old, but engagement is the queen and it's going to rule the house. So I think I, I thought I like I, I liked it and I know why you are liking that quote. I I love it. I love it and, and I'm I'm going to search it because like right now I'm I'm writing an article actually on audio content. And one of the things that they're finding, one of the things they're finding in research is that basically audio content is like one of the best ways to get people to engage 
So if somebody is starts, you know, listening to your audio content and they like it, then the chance of them just like leaving or dropping off is much, much lower. And so many people actually listen all the way through, even to audio ads, you know, like when nowadays, if you put an ad on, on YouTube or, um, you know, on a platform like that, like most of them don't get watched all the way through unless they're those unskippable, you know, six second ads on, on YouTube. Um, and audio ads actually get listened to, you know, like 90% of the way or 100% of the way, like most of the time. So it's just such, it's, there's such incredible statistics that show that this is something that really engages users. Um, you know, these, these apps have started popping up that, that like curate actually audio content, like um, Curio, I, I forget what the with the other like Noah or something like that, I would have to I would have to check what those apps are called again. But there are apps which are starting to curate audio content, you know, from magazines which are like high-end magazines like The Economist or Harvard Business Review, and you can just like listen to to their articles on there because you know we live in a world where people don't have time to just like watch all these videos and to engage with things that like visually just stop them from doing anything else at the same time and audio is just so amazing because it engages you fully like you're fully in it but at the same time you can you know fold your laundry or or wash the dishes or do something which people you know just have to do their tasks their chores for the day and this allows them to engage with something interesting while actually getting some work done so it's just such an incredible opportunity. I'm absolutely in love with it right now. And I am an like the ultimate consumer of audio content because during this lockdown, like the thing is, I have heard about podcasts for a lot of years, but this is my confession to my own channel that I have never listened to it before 2020. The pandemic wow. started and one of the things I brought into my routine is like my nature meditation, my nature walk. And then I was like, let's start with a podcast like and I happened to stumble upon one of the best podcasts which is out there by accident without any knowledge because I have no idea how the pod podcast or who is who of podcast I have like zero idea which so, one was that which which podcast was that Tim Ferriss show okay yeah yeah he's amazing I was in love I was <laughs> half an hour into it oh my god who is this person I mean I knew about his book I have not read yeah. it then but I knew about his name was familiar to me but I I didn't like I was walking so it didn't kind of clicked me at that point because I know about the four-hour work week and all that but I like I didn't know it is the same Tim Ferriss like the same Timothy Ferriss we are talking about I didn't know that and I just oh my god he's brilliant and yeah. And then like, I just consumed his entire thing. I read all of his books and it kind of led me create my, I was so inspired by it, but it made me create, started creating a podcast. And one of his podcasts, Seth Godin, another modern yeah. marketing, father of modern marketing, he came and he yeah. said that everyone, either it's that or his own podcast Akimbo. He said that yeah. everyone should have podcast. Yes. At this point, it's not about monetizing until you have millions of or listeners. Yes. yes. But if you want to have a voice, you should have that. It's a medium which gives you. So it doesn't matter. You have to say something. If a point, have your own podcast. And I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. 
and I love it. Like, I just love it. It's just that the student and the researcher in me, it's like, yes, I can do something. I don't, to be honest, I was very terrified. You know the story. I was extremely terrified. I came, I actually asked about that question in the retreat and then I was like, okay, let's start it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, but- Just, just do it, Nike. Just do it, Nike. Yeah, Nike, yeah, just do it. I mean, I can segue to so many points from the things you have said, but I will give you the choice, which one you want to choose. Like, I will, like, if you want to pick one area you want to talk about, is there any preference you have? Well, just, just kind of to go off of what you mentioned about just basically just doing it with this, with this, you know, idea to start your, your podcast. Well, first of all, I think it's amazing. It's super courageous. And I am in awe of like how fast you're moving and how many people you've already interviewed. It's absolutely inspiring and incredible. And you're just like, you're, you're, you know, you're an inspiration for other people with that. So congrats. And um, one thing I kind of wanted to add in terms of, you know, advice for somebody who might be thinking about doing the same thing is that often we're stopped by this, you know, perfectionism that we want something to be perfect. We want it to be, you know, to sound perfect or to look perfect, depending on what it is that we're doing. For me, for example, you know, um, some, some time ago, I wanted to start an Instagram account and I just did it as well. I just, I just went for it. And, you know, now looking back at like the kind of pictures that I was posting there, they're like this, just the quality of them and everything. It was just, it was not right. But as I started, you know, posting more and more, I started looking at what other people are doing and I was comparing myself and I was like, hmm, they're getting more likes and views and comments. Why am I not getting it? Maybe I should improve the quality. Maybe like the food that I'm showing because I, I was doing like food, food blogging. Maybe I should be showing something more interesting, you know? So like I concentrated on creating more more beautiful more spectacular meals so I did that but that didn't help so then I was like hmm I see that there's a difference in quality maybe I should improve the quality of my pictures so you know I dusted off my my um, DSLR camera and I just you know um, started taking like more professional pictures but like you know the slightly blurry background that look a little bit more sexy and um, and I started getting more likes, you know, it was from like 80 likes to, to 130 or 160 and it just kept on growing and growing and growing. So I think it's the same no matter where you start, you know, just don't be afraid, whether it's a TikTok or whether it's, you know, a podcast or whether it's an Instagram account, you don't have to do it perfectly from the beginning. That's actually the, in, in terms of kind of failing and trying things that's the whole secret you have to you can't start perfect and and you it's not good to start with too many people following you because when you start small you can experiment and you can kind of find your way in terms of what works and it's part of such a valuable learning experience just to do that so that's that's something that i would that i would want to to share with your audience as a as a takeaway for you know somebody who's starting out in anything to do with marketing just basically just start just do it and figure it out as you go along and try to make it better and better continuous improvement you know 1% improvement or 5% improvement whatever it is that you can master in terms of you know um, getting something done that's better than it was before just every day commit to making it a little bit better, but just start. 
and I completely utterly agree with you. Uh, because like from a software engineering background perspective, you don't create a behemoth of a code. You do agile incremental way. You write a code, yeah. test it, and then you go and revise it and debug it and then make it better. Yeah, and you start with like an MVP, right? A minimum viable pro pro product that you that you have as, as the beginning. And then you build on top of that with better and better um, things that you add onto it. And I like keeping it that way because I've heard a few people, a lot of people actually saying they kind of delete their old Instagram posts, but I kind of keep them because I think if it's there, I know what was the base point, how low it was. And yes, it shows the evolution. The evolution, it shows the journey. And I think that's the beauty of the journey. Okay, it's there and I can improve. Okay, I have improved upon it. So that's how the journey went through throughout i kind of you know sometimes if i'm following someone i do like drag it very very fast and kind of go to the you know beginning of their account to just see where they started and i have seen like those major stars with like 30 40 million instagram followers their first pictures were like i mean i was like it's a good thing you were a popular person probably no one would have liked that picture if you didn't have that and i was like okay it's fine to not to be okay not deliberately don't like i'll not put deliberately weird pictures out until that's the theme of your profile like it is for weird pictures and that's your core idea and message then go ahead go nuts with it probably but yes since i will kind of i had a different question in mind but because <laughs> we are talking about all these things i will segue which was supposed to be my last question around i'll go to that uh, I know you like reading and one of the thing you mentioned about is happiness advantage, one of the book you loved, which is by Sean Ecker and just a secret that it was one of his videos and Simon Sinek and these were the two people I have listened around eight, nine years ago, back to back, which kind of was a very, very crucial people to change my life and also make me fall in love with TED Talk, Sean Eckers Happiness Advantage Talk and uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It was yeah. two of those crucial things. So I have yeah, probably- Start With Why is like uh, something that everybody who does any kind of marketing, that's like the first video that they should watch. I like whenever I teach courses on marketing, this is the homework that I give people. If you haven't seen it, start with this video. You shouldn't do marketing without knowing this video. So and I, I chose marketing, like it gave me because I was supposed to do masters in technology, but because that's what my family wanted, but that video and those kind of gave me the courage to choose marketing, which was pretty crazy for a person who is absolutely introverted geek to go in a pro profession which needs talking, but those two videos resonated with me so much. I was like, in my heart, I am a marketeer. It's just no one knows it and neither have I. <laughs> so yet, you said that you want to implement uh, some of the strategies or the values from that book in work. Is there something you want to share about that? Or what are the things yeah, that have blown you Definitely. Mind? I mean, I, I think happiness is just so, it's so important. And like one of my key takeaways from this book is, he gives you know so many examples of um, how basically you can transform your life by increasing your happiness and how you can transform creativity. For example, you know, if 
working in a in a basically in a creative profession like marketing which which has that element to it um it's super important for people who are on your team um to basically do their best in terms of you know the kind of ideas that they come up with so priming them before you know going into for example a brainstorming session priming them to be in a good mood to be happy to to just basically enjoy themselves um, this is something that can then lead them to come up with better, more creative ideas. So, I mean, like really just, I would recommend to anybody to go and read that book just from, from one end to the other and just hear basically, you know, from firsthand all those examples. Um, but even, you know, even when I was, um, I, I also teach um, courses on creativity and, and one of the things which, which were there, which I was always talking about, is how creative agencies, um, you know, have or or even not even just creative agencies. It's also te the tech industry. Um, the best companies like Google, like you know, all these kinds of uh, giants, they have workplaces which inject fun into them. So you know, in Google, you can walk down the stairs or you can slide down a slide to to get from like the top floor to to, to the like the one the lower one. So all these kinds of things are specifically for that reason, right? To inject more happiness, more fun into the workplace. And essentially it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a technique. They're not doing this just to be cool. They're doing this because this increases creativity, this increases performance. It makes people do their jobs in such a difficult field better. So, um, so I'm actually implementing that in my team as well, in terms of, you know, just uh, sharing some fun things, some fun examples of, um, you know, uh, mistakes in, in marketing. I, I just recently, you know, I, I, could, I could show it to you. <laughs> some mistakes in marketing of um, how people sometimes get it wrong. Um, let me just just show you one example because it's it's super funny. So this is um, this is an ad that I'm going to show you for a, for a photography graduation photography, and basically it says look to the future, mm -hmm. and and there's a girl walking on a train track and the train is driving towards her. It's gonna you know it's gonna come and hit her. But this is like look to the future, the ad for looking to the future. So sharing these kinds of things, you know, just like um, talking with them and kind of relaxing them and then going into a, you know, kind of a brainstorming session about how should we approach, for example, our campaign for Women's Day, you know, should we, should we maybe do it kind of in a, in a funny way? Should we leverage, you know, things from our history and from the past and, you know, make it kind of like about showing, sharing a bit of a story and showing, um, our clients, like where this whole Women's Day thing has come from, because in Poland, like Women's Day is on the 8th of March. I'm not sure when it when it is in, in the UK. Um, so, you know, so and then because of this, because of this beginning, which is more creative and fun and everybody's laughing, they're actually coming with more ideas and they're actually, you know, um, more like more productive in terms of actually having more suggestions. So this is this is what I'm already seeing, you know, from implementing some of these some of these techniques. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And I wish people would use it more and more because when I started up, I was in very new and 
someone in a very higher up position was like, we need to be very serious and all these things. And I was still very new and I, I was absorbing various techniques, what anyone was doing, what's working, what's not working. And I'm like, listen to everything, but then internalize what resonates with you and perform on it. So I, I remember first time I went into a very big meeting where everyone was like 10, 15 years senior to me, very high shot people sitting there and they were fighting, you know, like kind of arguing over like deadlines, not getting over this technology is falling, this deal is going away, this supply is crying. It was a mess. And I'm just sitting there listening to them and like, I just, you know, at one point I was like asked a question and then kind of made a joke and they just paused and I was like, oh no, did I do something wrong? But then they started laughing and then the con they calmed down. You know, the, the temperature was like really high at that point in that it was, it, it's called war room in IT industry. It was, it, there is a reason it's called war room because people are fighting there. And they just started laughing and then they kind of relaxed and the conversation kind of, you know, the temper went down, people started listening and I was like, huh. And I like doing that in my personal life. It was like before that I was doing, okay, very corporate, very professional. You can be very professional, but at the same time, we can make a bit light. At the end of the day, I think human beings are interacting with human beings and you can't do great work when you are absolutely miserable and stressed. And I think there are lots of data out there which supports it 100%. So, uh, so, so that's there. Any, 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 any other story you want to elaborate on that? Or you actually talked something about mistakes. So what's your favorite mistakes and what's your learning points from there? It can be personal, professional, whatever way you want to go my my personal mistakes my goodness i i mean i make so many that it's it's actually difficult to talk about this my my philosophy i would say in life is basically to try new things and to experiment like with new platforms you know with um with new things all the time so you can't have that kind of an approach and not fail and not, you know, create something which, which just doesn't work. It's also my philosophy in the workplace, you know, for example, like with, with email marketing, you know, you've got an A-B test, right? So you've got to kind of just, you know, figure out some kind of an idea and then find like a counter to that idea, then send out both and then see which one um, performs better and then choose that one to be shown to more people so there's these kind of failures like over and over in terms of you know just just making just allowing yourself to make mistakes and to kind of keep going forward and to just like do something better and do something you know um more more just like you know adjusted based on based on those mistakes um I mean, in terms of in terms of like my my professional mistakes, I have like one one big one that was a big learning thing for me in the past. Uh, I was working for a company that did um, uh, classified ads, and it did classified ads for the real estate uh, industry. So the way that we communicated was, you know, like our key customers were basically B2B. So they were real estate agencies that were purchasing ads or, or you know, selling their, their things to clients. 
And I created an email marketing campaign that uh, was basically targeted at sell your house, like without any intermediaries. And as you know, our key customers were intermediaries, this created like such a big, you know, just such a big um, uproar in, in the community. And they actually, so it ended up with the CEO having to send an apology letter saying, you know, we're so sorry, you are our key customers. We won't do this kind of campaign again. And the lesson that I have taken away from that, because I mean, that's, you know, that's a big mistake. And of course I did it thinking about the end user, like the end customer. From, from my perspective, I was saying, hey, you know, you don't have to pay anything extra for, for selling that house. You can just sell it directly here. But I didn't think about it from kind of the business perspective as well. And this is something that you kind of, you know, you need to consider when you're creating your campaigns and when you're selling something, that there are different stakeholders that are actually viewing your products. And you need to make sure that you're not, you know, offending or, or basically like doing something which maybe is against one of those key stakeholders. So this is something I'm very careful about these days. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, like you do something like that once, you learn it, you're not going to repeat that mistake ever, ever again. Um, but also the, the thing that I learned from it, the thing which, which I thought was just so valuable was also the management style of my boss back back then right because I mean I was I was a junior um, I was just starting out in my career and I made that mistake and I mean to me I felt like I was just going to die like my world is ending you know like this is creating like such a big problem for like for the people for the company like I was like oh my goodness what am I going to do and her reaction was so reassuring. You know, she, she, she basically, she took it upon herself. She figured out, you know, okay, we'll need to do this whole PR campaign to apologize for this. We need to do this and this and that. She, she figured out all the steps and she told me, don't worry about it. You know, like it's a mistake. It happens, don't do it again, but these things can happen. And it's really formed my approach in the way that I nowadays, um, work with my teams because my teams uh, do like, you know, they, they have their mistakes that they make. Right. So, and these things happen, right. You know, sometimes something maybe goes out at a wrong time. Um, you know, an email gets sent to the wrong target group. There's, there's things that just happen because this is, this is life and people make mistakes, you know, systems make mistakes. Um, but my approach is kind of like, like that managers from the time, which is okay, mistakes happen, don't let it happen again, you know, you know, now to pay attention to this to check it five times before you send it out again. But we can correct it really, you know, the world won't end, even if customers are unhappy about something that you say, it's, it's about you know, it's about the reaction to, to, the, to the reaction. So like you do something, the business or the customers react, and then it's, this is not a problem. Like this can happen. The whole thing is to, to then have like, you know, the reaction to that reaction be something um, that shows your value as a company, that shows your value as a, as a business person. Because if you if you have a high value response to that and you are not afraid to apologize and to, you know, basically find a way of talking about it, 
then usually the people who, who had that negative reaction in the first place, they will forgive you. They, they will forgive you because they recognize that, you know, that it's the, that we're all human in the end and we make, we can make mistakes. And actually humanizing you in this way, if you've been doing everything super professionally up till then, it kind of leads, there's this thing in, in, in psychology, which is called the pratfall effect, yeah. uh, which basically there, were, there, were, there was a bunch of studies, um, you know, with, with people going on television shows and the study basically was checking what makes a person more likable. And if there was somebody who was a professional, who, who the way they spoke, it was above average, you know, the way they answered questions, it was above average. And then they did something that looked unprofessional, like spilled a cup of, of coffee on themselves, that actually made them more relatable, more human and more likable to the people rating this person than a person who was just, you know, very professional and never made any kind of mistakes. So mistakes can humanize you. Mistakes are, you know, show that you are vulnerable. And when, when you show your vulnerability to someone, it puts you kind of in a different category. It, it stops you from being somebody that they're trying to find something to fight against, um, you know, on that person. Once you make a mistake, you, you suddenly go to this, to this place of, oh, this is a human. I need to protect this person. I need to actually take care of this person rather than just to find like, oh, this is such a professional. So, you know, I'm going to challenge what they have to say. So having vulnerability, making mistakes is something that can actually increase your value, not just something that decreases your value, which is not the way that you feel when you make that mistake. It can feel absolutely horrifying, but the, the takeaway is it's actually, you know, you can, you can live with it and it will pass and you can learn from it. And actually it can create you as a better, you know, as a better person, a better business, a better communicator. So that's what I would say about that. I mean, I love that. And I, I was about to ask you, like, how did you have your conversation with your manager or superior, whoever you're reporting to, and you did that. And I feel glad for you that you have some example of a person who actually showed a quality of a leader. She was yes. supposed to protect you and manage you and give you that reassurance that it's okay to create mistakes if it's like a genuine one. Just be careful next time. And I'm yes. happy that you had uh, experience because so many times people are just terrified of doing a mistake that they don't even try out new things. Because it's a fact that they, are, they get penalized for doing one mistake and there are leaders out there. I will not say they're technically leaders in my definition, but managers out there who will throw people in front bosses. of them, bosses, who horrible bosses, who will throw their employees in front of the bus and never give them that reassurance that, hey, it's fine. It's a genuine human one. We will take care of you. A lot of people are not that, but it kind of forms their perception or how it goes around the time. And it's definitely cups creativity and productivity, I think, because probably sometimes people are just checking it over and over again. Well, well just to, to kind of, just to add one more thing to that, you know, one of the companies that I worked for actually had mistakes in their values. So it actually, one of the values that they had on posters, you know, like in corridors and everything was, mistakes are okay, like you can make mistakes. I don't remember the exact phrase, but essentially it was, it's okay to make mistakes. So that, you know, people who are 
um, working in these in, in this customer service industry. So if they make some kind of a mistake, they're not afraid to own up to it because actually somebody concealing their mistake is going to be much worse for the business than if somebody owns up to it because a mistake that's you know visible can be fixed while a mistake which is hidden from view is something that can fester, fester and just become you know a problem a big problem for the company yeah and it industry had problem management for that <laughs> we have a different department making jokes apart like it's necessary because of the nature of the industry but i just thought like yeah we have problem management there to do that yeah. but yes it's good and talking about problem and mistakes and difficulties covid had provided a lot of problem or challenges for people who are in the business a lot of businesses had adapted to it who can a lot of people are still catching up at the same time i i observe in my industry occasionally or many other industry when i look into them they have a kind of a knee jerk reaction to it because not everything is have to change because someone else is changing because i think it's very human to compare you know oh someone else is doing it let's do it even if it doesn't make sense in a way the work you are doing or your company is doing how do you see yourself like did you have already plans and places which kind of got integrated to what happened or are you kind of still catching up what's what 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 are the things you are doing in that zone well i mean you know nobody can like uh, basically covid is is this kind of you know black swan um type of situation which means nobody could predict that this is going to happen maybe except for bill gates who's been saying that this is going to happen sooner or later but essentially i mean you know you're not going to predict that there's going to be you know some kind of a natural disaster or pandemic or or something like that so normally businesses just kind of keep going about their business without having anything you know kind of set up for for this scenario um i guess the lucky thing for for the company that i work in was that we kind of started on the path of digital transformation about a year before a year in advance of um of of covid coming around so i was you know it started with basically when they hired they hired me um in the company to do digital marketing for them they hired my boss who's the e-commerce um and digital director for the company so basically they hired talent who has that has experience in this field um and the company started you know implementing many different things to kind of get on the way to to transform because i mean i think this is this is something that's very like it's a big problem well not maybe not even a problem it's just the reality of of a lot of polish businesses but i think it kind of translates to many businesses in other countries as well which is that so many of them are still so highly reliant on their brick and mortar operations and they're not adjusted to you know this digital transformation which is going on and essentially what happened with covid is that it really precipitated you know the how how fast this is coming around so something that was probably going to take another 10 or 15 years um you know to to basically to happen 
it's happened in months. It's happened in, in, in weeks from one day to the next. Companies just found themselves closed. They're, you know, people under lockdown at home. My company, for example, wasn't prepared in terms of many employees had, you know, um, didn't have laptops. They just had desktop computers that they then didn't have any way of getting out of the company and, and into their homes so that they can, can keep on working from home. So the company had to invest in actually upgrading people's, um, you know, basically hardware to, to, to be able to adjust to the situation that went on. Um, so that was like one thing that we weren't really prepared for. Luckily, people who were working in the in the digital department did have laptops because you know the, this this was an area which which basically we were prepared for and which we were working on. Um, the lucky thing for us was also that we started setting up a new website like months before COVID, and we were almost ready to launch just before the pandemic hit so i mean just like we were ready to launch just after the pandemic hit so we were you know we were getting ready for like um just a little bit after then so within you know just like a short amount of time we were ready to to kind of speed up that process and to get get ready and launch and and do things also in terms of our logistics solutions and things like that we were able to do that faster than you know than other companies which weren't in this process already so i would say the key takeaway for that is you know like look at the trends which are going on and maybe start your business on the way to doing that because you know this is something COVID is something that affected so many different parts of the business like for example accounting if you don't have you know for for us and the company accounting was still going on with like paper documents right so like the, the process was that if i get an invoice i need to sign it i need to describe it and i need to give it to my boss to sign and then i need to take it to the accounting department so we weren't ready with some kind of an accounting system which would allow for this to you know to to happen automatically online uh which we're doing now basically uh, you know after a year after covid so it can affect accounting, it can affect logistics because your, your logistics is, is you know, not sending products from the warehouse to the stores, to the brick and mortar stores. It's now sending um, products out to customers and you know, the volume and the speed with which they can do that versus the volume and speed with which you would need to send out deliveries to brick and mortar stores. It's just a completely different process. So that also required like a whole transformation it's also about how fast companies can adapt, right? How fast can they adapt to the new realities? And many, I think many big companies have this problem of, you know, having procedures, which is very difficult to shift. So it really takes, you know, the, the top C-level um, directors, you know, and, and, um, and people to actually instigate the change and to suggest it because otherwise if it, it's just not going to it's not going to work which is what what happened in, in our company like it was really supported by the by the sea level so sea suit so it was you know so it did happen and it did happen pretty fast um so yeah i mean i think depending on the size of your business it can be it can be a huge endeavor to 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 go through a digital transformation if you don't have um, you know, a good working e-commerce. If, if you're doing retail, for example, which is the which is the industry that I'm in, 
if you don't have a great website, if you don't have all the marketing campaigns already set up, you know, like the, the, the processes for promoting your products and for selling them online, it takes a huge shift to do that. So I had been preparing the company in terms of, um, you know, digital marketing for the, past, for the previous year. So like my campaigns were set up perfectly. So the moment that COVID hit, I, I was actually getting, you know, more traffic and I had a way to reach people and I had a way to monetize them and to basically get them to become our customers because those were people who were suddenly going online and for the first time in their life looking to do shopping online where normally they would go to the shopping malls and do all their shopping there right so it created like a whole new opportunity and i was ready for that and my department was ready for that but you know if somebody never did that before setting up you know google campaigns like if you don't have the experience uh if you don't have you know, the previous campaigns to rely on, then you can really pay too much for, for what you're doing and this, or you cannot reach the right audiences and you still need to optimize that and it takes time and it's basically, you know, it's, it's a loss of opportunity and it's a loss of, um, of business, right? So, um, so I think the thing that COVID has taught a lot of businesses is to kind of maybe look a little bit ahead to the trends which are possibly happening and to start putting those trends in like to, to consider those trends, like how will they affect their business and to start to actually prepare the business for those things in case they do come around. Um, but also, you know, like what you mentioned in the beginning about your family, how you, you contact them only via social media, via Zoom right now. So the way that companies do their work is also online. I don't know like how your business is working, but for us, you know, all our meetings are right now happening on Zoom. Um, they're not happen happening in actual, you know, rooms. <laughs> we're, ju we're just meeting in virtual rooms. Um, is it the same in, in your company? Uh, for us, uh, I think we are in one of those industries who were prepared for such things because in IT, right. like we had laptops. The thing is everyone is talking about going into meetings and Zoom things and given the international clientele or like from the pretty the day one I've started working, that was the normal for us. That was the norm, right. right. That was the norm. Like we have uh, uh, Microsoft Teams already. We kind of had Skype and it's all professional Skype. It's all integrated into the laptop. We have our lot of, because IT has a lot of security and data things. So VPN in like that yes. work integrity is something people take very seriously we all are even though whenever you used to go to office we used to use office secure landlines but we always are given it's mandatory you need to have vpn just in case you go to a meeting room and there is not land enough working so it's it was a backup for us but it became and people i have seen like running around like okay they cannot I have heard like someone teaching in certain in university, I'll not take a name, where it got hacked because they are not, they're doing Zoom calls, but they were not in a protected network and people can yeah. just drop in and by accident or by chance, I don't know that much details where it had happened, but we were kind of ready for that. Like it happened like, okay, government said no. Okay, next day we are on with it. Yeah. Yes, not the same, the coffee, uh, like, you know, the coffee meters and that, like, you know, whiteboard drawing and all those things are not there. But in a way, it was a part of our work culture in at least in IT industry, because people are based in different areas. 
we kind of go into different different suppliers and have meetings and calls so it was like already there we just okay next day not going to office sitting at home doing the thing right in a way yes I, I, we didn't feel change in in as such i will say because we were already in it and given i given it's uh, the drivers our companies are like the company i work for are consulting various businesses fortune 500 companies and what we do are like digital transformation or business consulting in the kind of work they are doing so we talk about digital transformations and all the cloud technologies amazon web services and all that so when there were few suppliers for example who had a brick and mortar presence and they had to get closed or they were not in a capacity to do business we kind of knew okay now let's go to cloud immediately few of the legacy systems which are still in the process of getting transferred it just got fast tracked forward by the people but i will say it's the nature of the industry i work in they are into it is just that they became much more in demand and it get integrated like fast 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 like now mm -hmm. do the entire rollout like we integrated many many rollouts which probably would have taken months and it was like stretched out in months and periods because the shops had to be closed people has to do it on the night but given the fact everything is closed you can do like 24 7 the changes are getting rolling out remotely so yeah. all the infrastructure were in place it just we know okay this is the best time to use it and we were using it so in a way i will say kind of fortunate to work in an industry which was already <laughs> adapted to it because i have seen a lot of my friends struggling to adapt to that because they are not used to working in that yeah this is a shock to a pretty much everyone system and no one in the world was prepared what hit us because no one comprehended what is the scale of it so the adjustment in way of work probably i will say had been much more in people because they were getting so fr so overwhelmed yes with the fact what's happening what's going around the world and then a new way of working for me a team and zoom meeting it's very normal because that's i have done it from the like every client i have worked have a, some variation and of like we have microsoft office sort of various versions they sell to the uh, like enterprise suit so it will be deployed throughout the employees and you cannot use anything else because the laptops have those security in place that you have only deployed the softwares which are allowed, allowed yeah. to use. so it's very very strict and all those things were in place but those small things are big things for people who are trying to take it remote and who don't have that support or technology so yes i was always yeah for technology now it is something which are everyone using but i think the for me personally the conversation should be what is the extent of it how you should use it what is the humanity into the technology you bring in because personally i'm very interested in ai yeah. and technologies that like that and you 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 kind of use google search which you have the nat natural language processing and all those things which are coming across i mean people say they don't understand technology but they are using it every day yes every time yeah. anyway like from instagram to spotify 
Spotify is big on AI. Like that's what, like, you know, right? Like when every morning your list is getting created, AI is doing that because they know what your choice of music is. People don't understand that, but it's happening in the smallest way of your life. People, it is integrated without anyone understanding it, like the extent of it and the scope. Yeah, basically, if you're using, you know, a laptop or if you're using a mobile phone, you're using it. You're in, so like- You are a consumer of it. Like I know a lot of, there is a lot of moral and moral limit questions going on that field. And I, it, I am a big proponent of, yes, there are lines which needs to be drawn. There are lines which needs to be followed. And that's the conversation people should have, but that's a separate topic. I mean, it, it can take, I can go into that that rabbit hole and go, go on for hours like what is that differentiation how do you use it for good and what is the misuse there is always a second a contrary side of saying it misused it always will be the case but going back to to it uh i i am i will be conscious of the time i mean i can talk to you for hours that's not a problem for us at, at all but i like i was like i have to wrap it up as well in terms of the things we are doing so any mission, what are the things, if you have a mission statement in your life, or it can be your work, it can be combination of both general, because you said you work with influencer, you work to create a community of influencer, those are the things, and I know as a person, knowing you personally, like how, how much you take a personal development or growth as a very big part of your life. And you are also working in the business in terms of the capacity of creating business for other organization on a professional capacity. So what will be your mission statement? Like, is it combined all like, like go, like I will try make, uh, I'll give you to make it your own question and answer it any way you want. Well, you know, I like, this is, this is something that I've been thinking about recently um, in terms of just kind of trying to maybe find myself more and define what it means to be me and and one of the things that I've kind of arrived at is that something really important is to find like how you can help other people how you can contribute to other people because that's something that just gives you this incredible feeling of just happiness right like that's one of the that's one of the the things that makes you happy like gratitude this is a big one and another one is basically being there for for others and and helping others like we are social creatures so this is something that's incredibly important and the thing which I have arrived at so far which I can share is that what I'm passionate about is basically taking the potential that somebody has inside themselves and making the most of it, making them recognize that potential, making them see it, building it up in them and making them just be the best version of themselves or, or helping them to be the, the best version of themselves. Because in the end, this is something that we can only do for ourselves, ourselves, but it doesn't mean that somebody can't facilitate that and that they can't contribute to that. Um, sometimes, you know, we're, we're just so wrapped up in what we can't do that we don't notice the things that we are good at and that we can do. And this is something that I concentrate on, whether it is, you know, working with my team, whether it is when I'm, you know, um, doing lectures for people or whether it is just with my friends in a, you know, non-professional environment. I just love building people up. I love 
seeing in them I'm, I'm just one of those people who sees like the good in in people and like the strengths of people so i just love kind of underlining those and and talking to people about what what they are um which in a way I think is, uh, is, is very sneaky on my part because <laughs> when you tell somebody how amazing they are at something or, or how great it is that they do something, what naturally happens is they kind of start to, to shift towards that, right? Like, I mean, if you tell somebody like, my goodness, you look amazing in the color blue, it makes your eyes pop, it makes your hair look fantastic. Suddenly you kind of see that person wearing blue a little bit more often than they used to. So... Um, so it does have that funny side effect that you compliment somebody on what on, on their amazing sense of humor or, you know, on how amazing they are at creativity or at, you know, I don't know, figuring out how to how to do Excel spreadsheets or, or something like that. Suddenly, this is something that they they kind of hone in on and then they they actually do that more. So if it's something that you actually appreciate about them and it's something that you need from that relationship, then it's something that actually makes that stronger. So um so so yeah so this is the this <laughs> that's why I say that it's kind of sneaky. But I mean my of course my my goal isn't to to you know to um get people to do something. I don't have a, a hidden agenda other than just the agenda of trying to make people, you know, reach their potential because I just, I see the value in people and this is something that I, I like to concentrate on. And I love it. And I love the way you think. I know that this is how you think. So I, I always am inspired and inspired by it or day in, day out, whenever I interact with you. And it's just of my personal curiosity. Recently, I was just thinking like, I have like, talked about like I used to joke about being a reforming workaholic two three years back and then I kind of talked about work-life balance and all this and recently I was just thinking and that's not something my original thought I am just doing a lot of studying and doing some sort of uh, courses where it's, I was asking myself a question which kind of br bring me the thought is kind of work-life balance is the correct way of putting it shouldn't I take it as life as it is? Because if I am taking it as work life, I kind of am making it mutually exclusive. Work can be done towards both professional and personal life. It's work in a way. Or if I'm busy doing 100 things, but I ensure that I have time for my friends, my family, and I'm there for them. In a way, it's kind of integrated a part of life do I have to literally pick certain hours of the day or certain hours of the time oh it's a, my balance time it's coming but what if I if I'm middle of a very deep work which kind of help a lot of people and I can do life the next day a little bit more spend a more quality time without thinking about that I'm just thinking about it it's like work-life balance it's even a correct thing or there should be life where these are my values which I'm trying to lead my life a wholesome life with a lot of areas and things which it's important to me I am aware of it and I'm spending my time someday one will get extra one day or something will get less but it's a part of the whole matrix rather than I'm trying to balance it all I, 
I'm just thinking about it. I'm just thinking about it. It can it be life in general rather than just separating it as work. I understand it will be certain things in life you really don't want to do, but you need to do it. Like we probably, at least I don't enjoy taking out trash, but I know I need to do it because I like a clean space. So there are certain things which probably will be marked as work, which is required. But I was just thinking about it. Like what's, what's your thought in that? What, what do you think? Like, what, what's your take? does it yeah it's 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 amazing that you're that you're asking about that because like i mentioned clubhouse um i was just listening to to you know somebody very smart who's very successful in business answered that exact question (laughs) so i'm going to piggyback a little bit off of that and i'm going to add my my answer to it so so the answer was you know that's the wrong way of looking at it because um, if you if you basically do something that you love, like if you're passionate about your work, can you even call it work? So that was the that was one of the things that they said, and I like it resonated with me, which is why I remembered it because I love my job, I love what I do, and it doesn't feel like work. And I've heard, you know, like my my ex boyfriend w- would tell me, like uh, you know, it would be nine p.m. and I would still be replying to emails or or doing photography for work or something like that. Of course, you know, after after hours, and it was just my choice. Nobody was paying me anything extra for this. It was just me doing it because I was passionate about it. And and he and he didn't like it, you know. Like he would kind of um, he he would point it out to me, like, look what you're doing. You're just like you're you're working too much. And and I kind of took that upon myself. Like I I would blame myself, and I would think like, oh, maybe he's right, you know, and and maybe I shouldn't work so much. But from the perspective of time, you know, like you do some some soul searching, some personal growth and development, and you get to learn about yourself a bit more. And what I figured out from the perspective of time is that, no, like it's not that simple. Just because somebody doesn't like their job and just because for them work is tedious and it's unpleasant. And when they see somebody else working after hours, they think like, oh, this person is hurting themselves. It doesn't mean it's necessarily true for you. And um, it wasn't true for me. You know, I, I like my job. And I think that the best compass to listen to is yourself and your body. I would never say, you know, do so much work that you strain yourself and your body, your mental health. If you feel that working, you know, 16 hours per day leaves you drained and, you know, kind of <laughs> it's like without a soul, like it sucks out your soul, don't do it. That's not balanced. I think. In the end, what what the the problem with work-life balance, like you said, is that it kind of tries to split work from life. Whereas in fact, you know, like we have eight hours for sleeping, eight hours for working theoretically, if we work a nine to five type of job and eight hours for the rest of life. So there's no balance already because like the eight hours you're asleep. So, you know, that, that means that just leaves 16 hours and eight out of those is, is you're at work, you know, like if you're, if you're getting to work, if you're not working at from home, but you're working somewhere in the city, you need to get to work, which is going to take you, let's say, you know, up to an hour or, you know, even two hours for some people. So that, that already like leaves you with just six hours for life. So it's like, it's off balance, just like, you know, from the start in a way. Right. So I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think, you know, it's also 
very kind of not treating people as individuals it's kind of trying to box and and generalize like a very wide thing if you're a person who's working just to kind of get you know to pay the bills and you don't like your job which happens of course you know some people just do that i would still say the the thing to do in that case is to kind of try to figure out what deeper purpose your work is serving like you can be you know cleaning up you know, an office or cleaning up a school, just working as a janitor. And you can still find a deeper meaning in that work by attaching it to a wider context. So by cleaning up that space, you're contributing to people's lives. You know, either children can, can come to school and learn in a clean and healthy environment. Or if you're cleaning up a business, you're contributing to the people who are in that space. You're actually changing their, their lives, you know, by, by giving them structure and you know some a clean and pleasant working environment so it's all about reframing and it's all about kind of thinking what is the purpose of of my job and sometimes it can be difficult you know like if you're working in marketing it's very easy to kind of fall into this trap of thinking oh i'm just pushing products on people and i'm just you know i'm, I'm the problem of the world right like like marketing is often kind of the <laughs> the black sheep you know of the in of, of, of basically of the world um but for me it's it's not about that for me when i think about marketing first of all there's the element of creativity in it for me so i i just love the fact that i am trying to find you know what speaks to people and what pain points they have what problems they have and i'm trying to explain the products that my company is selling in a way that's you know, something attractive to that customer. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't work for a business that I disagree with. I mean, I work for the cosmetics industry. It's not, you know, I'm not curing cancer or, <laughs> or anything like that. But, you know, taking care of yourself, of your body, of your hair, like, why not? Like, this is, you know, self-care is an important part of life. I don't, like, I like the products that I sell, right? So, so I think, so it kind of gives me pleasure to find creative ways of promoting those products. I wouldn't go for a job, which I disagree with. Like I could not work for um, a company that produces, let's say cigarettes, right? Cause that would be um, in violence of my values. So I think as long as you're being consistent with your values, like your core values, and you're not doing something that's totally against yourself, you can always find meaning. And even if you don't find meaning in what you do, you can find meaning in who you do it with. So I find a lot of meaning in my team and in the people that I work with, um, you know, in developing and growing them and making them the best um, marketers that they can be, depending on, on, you know, on their fields and what they do. So you can always find meaning, right? And once you find meaning, then like this whole work-life balance kind of stops being relevant to you because your work is your life in a way. It's, it's a big part of your life. Um, and yeah, so then it's just about, you know, are you not um, pushing yourself too far? Like, are you not giving too much of yourself? And your body will very quickly and easily tell you when you are, because you'll be tired, you'll be cranky, you'll be unhappy. And that's the moment when you should say like, okay, I have crossed the line with myself and, and what I'm doing. I should 
you know, take a step back and refocus and think about where I've been pushing myself too much. Is it that I'm, you know, answering emails all day and this is draining my energy because answering emails actually requires quite a lot of your mental power because you need to, you know, you know, you know, you need to read them. You need to kind of figure out like what you need to do, whether you need to reply, whether some processes need to happen to take care of that stuff. So reading emails can be incredibly stressful and draining. So just figure out what it is that's kind of draining you and then figure out a way to kind of decrease that. Um, talk to your boss, you know, say, or like write, create a responder that says, you know what, I've been getting, like I'm, I'm out of the office or like I'm in meetings all day. If you have something important, please just uh, call me up or send me an SMS. Um, there's always, you know, there's when there's a will, there's a way, there's always some kind of a solution for taking care of yourself. And I would also say, go back and read the happiness advantage <laughs> because you're going to find all the answers to, to the questions there. It's going to tell you, you know, um, what you need to concentrate on to just like have that balance and to have that happiness in your life. If you're grateful for the things that you have, if you concentrate on gratitude and on, you know, not your lacks, but like your, your plenty or the things that you're getting, suddenly you're just, you, you feel balanced with that. If you concentrate on the human connections, on your social contacts, that's something that's going to build you up and fill you up and, and make you basically have a lot of energy and happiness in you. Um, if you take care of your body, you know, like if you're healthy, um, that also gives you, that also gives you happiness. So essentially, yeah, I would say that thinking about it as work-life balance is kind of it's kind of irrelevant. It's not what you, it's not the thing that you should be concentrating on. I would say just concentrate on, um, on happiness and then find ways of reframing your life and of doing things to just build that happiness up and to, to make yourself feel good. Yeah. I mean, I agree to it. And I was just thinking while you were saying like the few points, yes, getting taking care of your health is very very crucial you need to have those boundaries because I have been guilty in past of working 18 hours and no one was talking me to do that I just wanted to do that I, I was into it so much that I did that I'll explain the reason why I did it but I get sick like there had been many times my, my customers have said go home take rest because I have taken calls from hospitals and stuff like that yeah, there is this extreme part of it. But then someone said, oh, I'm sorry, you have to do that. But then when they said sorry, I was like, I'm not really sorry about it because I know why I had that drive. Because for me, I was building my identity. So that is even more than passion. In a way, it was an obsession because building your identity and that my work was giving me the platform to do it, or at least that's the only platform I knew when I started. This is the way I should start because that's the only way I knew. And it was empowering me. There are a lot of factors which comes through it. So it was me building my identity and that's why I was going all for it. So that's why I could go with two, three hours slips and still get back on to that. I was. I could go without sleep and I was willing to do it on my own accord because for me, it was very directly proportional to my identity. Obviously you get wiser that, okay, you need to take care of your body first because you can't function like that. 
you need to balance like have healthy habits in in terms of exercise sleeping or taking occasionally time off to do that thing to replenish your fuel because your body runs on fuel and you need that sort of but yes i kind of thought yes i definitely could have done it better but i kind of not sorry for doing that because that was me building my identity and it was very very required so if someone comes and say me oh you need a work life balance and you know, when i am in the process of building something which is very very crucial and solid to me i was like nonsense no i rather do that i rather not take that balance not that i will ignore people i care about or be probably be a bit stupid like that like making myself self yes that's the boundary i will draw but i will say it's still necessary because i'm working towards something which is more crucial than me like i feel it's meaningful to me why i am doing it and i know the why of it in my head it's very clear why i am doing this particular thing mm-hmm. probably there will be bits and pieces because life doesn't work in like you know nice boxes so there will be bits and pieces of it i am not very fond of doing it but it's a requirement and the meaning behind it is probably it will get to me to the state where i want to go it is at least to me it makes sense it's a destination this path goes to the destination i want want to reach yeah so i was thinking about it so it's a like great answer you just gave me and on that note thank you thank you so much for coming to this show you have to do it once more again with me because we have so many things we can just talk about for probably yeah, we can keep talking for you know another hour or two okay just show like that's enough we got it but yes thank you so much for coming to my show it's such an honor and had been such so much fun to talk to you it's been such a pleasure thank as well thank you